0: We are Vaccine Information Coalition. You're listening to Progressive Radio Network, the most listened to commercial free and truth radio program in the world. My name is Renee, and the title of our show is What in the Cell is Going On? We're on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, which could be accessed live on prn.live, or you can also call 641-741-2308. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to have a guest today. Uh, he's in another country. And we might have had our times off. Um, Anthony Samaroff, I was expecting to be on. Were we able to get a hold of him? Anthony, are you there? Okay, he is not, and I kind of assumed that because he didn't get the message till last minute. Um, we didn't get confirmation. But he's a gentleman that is uh, very graciously writing my husband's what in the cell is going on book that he was writing ever since the day I met him. Uh, <laughs> it never got accomplished before he passed away. And Anthony has uh, contacted us. We've had him on the show previously. He contacted us from Scotland um, as a big fan of Gary's teachings uh, before I met him. And uh, he is an editor, a professional editor. He's writing his own book as well. And um, he's taken the challenge of uh, dissecting all my husband's previous work. Like I said, before he met me, his books, his book, The Battle for Health is Over PH, as well as his CD, What in the Cell is Going On, that he never you know, was able to finalize that book. That's what he's putting together. And he's just basically when i met antony i asked him you know straight to his face i said antony what is your agenda what is what Ah, you know what do you want from this you know because everybody's in it for something obviously in this world today and um antony's response to me was all i needed to hear because he said gary tunsky's the author and i'm the editor and that just so impressed me because that just showed you know where his heart's coming from Um, He just recognizes Gary's simplistic wisdom that our creator gave him uh, to where a fourth grader could understand it. And he is typing it up and putting it into words. As I'm reading these chapters, he's sending me which I'll probably cover a couple of them today, since he's not on, um, uh, I I feel like I'm hearing Gary all over again, (laughs) because it's his words, you know, 100% my husband's words. And, um, you know, I've heard him a million times with all the presentations him and I did together all around the world, as well as... um, as well as you know, being his wife for almost 12 years before he passed away due to you know choosing steroids in his younger years for a, a long period of time that um, you know did irreversible damage. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm just very impressed with Anthony because he he's did a really good job and he still is doing, and we're hope, hopefully you know going to be releasing his book soon. Um, we did have it available as an ebook, but I've got some challenges going on with this nonprofit that I have. That's kind of out of the jurisdiction of the powers that be, protected, and um, I'm not wanting to, uh, you know, sign any contracts with the powers that be. So that's why we're not going to. We're probably not going to be uploading it to an ebook. It looks like, um, but you never know. Maybe um, I don't really prefer encouraging people to stare at their artificial intelligence or even have it plugged into their Bluetooth or whatever to their ears uh, for a long period of time, like reading a book. So I personally do not. I'm old school. <laughs> I'm old school. I upgraded for iPhone 11s. Most of you know um, iPhone 11s to flip phones. I upgraded to flip phones. I absolutely love it. Using it as a telephone. Um, as well as um, I even have a Rolodex. I had a friend recently, a brother on ministry said, (laughs) when I told him, let me grab my Rolodex, he's like, you would have a Rolodex. I'm like, yeah, simpleness. (laughs) It makes it easy. You lose your phone, you lose all your contacts, you know? Anyway, so we forget. I don't even know my mom's telephone number type of thing. It's crazy. so I, I am definitely one to go old school. So we'll have a book form of what in the cell is going on soon for you. In the meantime, I will be reading some of the articles. Um, I know I've written, a, I've read a couple of them and I don't know which ones I have and have not read, but there's so much like I said, simplistic wisdom in these articles, I definitely want to, if I, if I double dose a little bit with something he's already written or I've already read on the show, just please forgive me, but it'll just remind you. I'm gonna start at the top. Um, and this is all on my late husband's website, which is P as in Paul, H cell talks, P H cell, C E L L T as in Tom, O X as in X ray, H celltox.com. We have all these articles, um, and he's writing, by what I understand, a weekly and putting it on a website that they've created, uh, which is is uh, terrainscience.com. And it has uh, not only Gary's articles, but also Anthony has a bunch of them, as well as other writers. They have, I guess, for this TerrainScience.com website. So the first one we're going to read is titled "The Medical Twilight Zone," and um, again, these are these are Gary's words verbatim. One day you come into a doctor saying, look doc, I don't feel so good, I'm tired, I'm achy, I have got brain fog, I can't think straight, I'm not sleeping, I've got skin rashes and bloating, I'm sure there's something wrong with me. The doctor runs a full array of lab assessments from X-rays, MRIs, CAT scans to immune profiles, blood tests, saliva samples and hormonal assessments that finds no signs of abnormality. He prescribes you some pills to ease your discomfort and sends you home with a modest copay. You have just crossed over into the medical twilight zone. The medical twilight zone is where you're toxic, you're nutritionally deficient, you're stressed out, you've got aches and pains, you're drinking cups of coffee just to get you through the day, and regularly feel like you're coming down with the flu. You are neither healthy nor in a state of severe chronic illness, but somewhere in between. As far as the system is concerned, you're normal. They have no answers for you. The reason for this is that diagnostic tools of mainstream doctor scans are only calibrated to the trauma crisis care. Their advanced equipment can easily detect liver cirrhosis, hepatitis, strokes, kidney failure, heart attacks, rheumatoid arthritis, metastasized cancer tumors. However, it cannot detect problems in the realm of the the medical twilight zone of dis-ease where most people languish for most of their lives. Because mainstream medicine does not consider disease to be a cascading phenomenon which begins with early warning symptoms like headaches, nausea, skin rashes, flus and colds, sinus problems, poor moods, exhaustion, a lack of vitality, and ends in chronic illness like stroke, heart attack, diabetes or cancer, anyone who does not have an overt serious condition falls through the cracks of that of the medical machine. The MDs require your numbers to enter into their ranges in order to judge you ready for treatment. They are looking for crisis trauma, full-blown heart attacks, a tumor that's a billion cells or more, lesions, heart attacks, strokes, aneurysms. If you're not put on the door of liver cirrhosis and you have liver toxicity or a fatty liver, they need to wait until you have lesions or hepatitis or cirrhosis to pick anything up. If you're knocking on the wall of a heart attack, you'll get a clean bill of health because you don't have it yet. They are look, they are looking for heart tissue damage from a heart attack. In the meantime, they're going to tell you that you don't need any help and send you home to wait until you're sick enough to enter their backyard. Too late. You could have a tumor, a half a billion sa- cells before they even find out what's going on because they're looking for a billion cells or more and they're going to say you're fine. Dr. Peter Glidden, N.D., writes in his book Attempt a Cure with Holistic Medicine in 2017 that once a patient diagnosed with leukemia came to his office and told them that their doctor told them there's nothing we can do for you at this stage of illness. Just go home and wait. When the condition gets worse, we can start chemotherapy and radiation. If you're almost in crisis, they have no hope for you. You are considered sick enough you are not considered sick enough for treatment. Since the system considers the absence of sickness to be the measure of health, they don't intervene early because they don't know how. Consequently, consequently the patient will either be simply blamed for getting older, given a clean bill of health, be labeled by the doctor as manifesting a psychosomatic disorder or being hypochondriac, or worse, they'll be given palliative treatment palliative symptom suppressive pharmaceutical relief agents, namely drugs. These will merely shove the disease deeper with the patient unaware of the fact that he's getting sicker because the pills, lotions and potions only mask the symptoms but do nothing to treat the real underlying cause of their problem. What would you think of a fireman spraying the smoke billowing out of a window of a building, believing he's putting out the fire? Our current medical system only tends to recognize disease only when it's reached crisis proportions. But that's like saying a house is only on fire when the flames have reached the roof. In reality, the real fire started from an innocent-looking cigarette butt that began smoldering on the couch. If a medical system could recognize the early signs of smoke, then they could prevent chronic illness but there are more than 4000 abnormal diseases that won't register on blood tests your analysis pet scans x-rays computerized tomographies and magnetic resonance imaging, MRIs. They can't measure the early decline of health or detect cellular toxicities and cellular insufficiencies. And, of course, this technology cannot reveal the unseen emotional toxins such as anger, bitterness, stress, anxiety, unforgiveness, and what have you, that eventually lead to physical illness that can never be identified through medical diagnostic equipment. Another problem with blood and urine samples is that the blood is always changing so is urine if it's low in iron for example it's going to try and fight find in the bones or the muscles and remove it from there to pull it back into the blood and keep it homeostasis you could be anemic on the cellular level but they draw blood and take the data they say you're fine see the iron is there some people die before they get their blood test back the blood will rob calcium from the bone if it has to if it's low on magnesium it will pull it from the heart tissue the body thinks that it thinks that it's borrowing these minerals temporarily and putting them into their most important use the problem is people are not consuming foods which replenish their supplies of essential minerals so what is intended only as an emergency measure becomes permanent Blood work is great for finding certain things like HIV loads or the size of a tumor, but early on you want the cellular data. The blood is the river to the cells. What we want to know is what's in the cell. How is the cell doing? If the teacher wants to take attendance attendance at school, does she count the number of kids on the school bus or in the classroom itself? It's not important whether the nutrient is found in the blood, it's whether it gets in the cells or not. If the cells are not absorbing the nutrient from the blood, then the blood test tells us nothing. In my practice, we use body scanners that actually detect cellular data rather than blood data, which is unreliable because it's consistently moving. If we catch you early, we can slide you back to health before complications occur, before you really you get really sick. When toxic residues are accumulating in your intestines, liver, blood, tissue, and cells, the nutritional building elements are not able to penetrate the cell membrane to remove metabolic waste and regenerate the cells. Nutrient absorption, metabolic efficiency, energy and hormone, and neurotransmitter synthesis are all greatly reduced. This in turn will manifest symptoms of extreme lethargy, muscle weakness, Gastric distension, aches and pains, depression and memory and concentration problems. These are cries for help from your body. They are not diseases. They are God's intelligence trying to warn us of a deeper cellular malfunction, which needs to be addressed before things completely get out of hand remember only after massive numbers of cell malfunction do you or even do you even begin to notice symptoms of disease in other words you're already sick before you get sick conventional allopathic physicians are taught that if you can't see it in x-ray or detect it in lab tap lab test or hear it in a stethoscope or feel it in a palpitation then it's simply not there even if a patient's whole body is in a state of stress or disease. Medical students are not instructed in toxology and the dangers of free radical damage to the cells or the necessities of nutritional building blocks to establish and maintain health. The entire sick care industry keeps disease right where it's most lucrative, the long-term treatment of chronic diseases. No cures can be discovered in the medical twilight zone, and prevention is rarely considered. A medical monopoly of risky surgeries and lethal pharmaceuticals continue. Unabated. The medical system now a $4 trillion industry in the U.S., profiting by hundreds of billions of dollars each year. It is estimated that more than 75% of all office visits to medical doctors are in the medical twilight zone category of neurological disorders, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, pH acidity, gastric disorders, immune suppression, mental and autoimmune disorders, skin disorders, acute bacterial, fungal, parasitic, and viral infections that are all caused by two things— You guessed it, cellular toxicities and cellular insufficiencies. The medical profession addresses neither, yet it continues to thrive as sickness incorporated. Typical symptoms of such twilight zone disorders are headaches, dizziness, nervousness, severe fatigue, flatulence, constipation, diarrhea, insomnia, brain fog, joint aches, the loss of feeling of generally well-being, which are all intelligent warning signals of a healing crisis. These symptoms are the cells cry or scream to warn you of a cellular malfunction in a certain organ or system. Being subjective, sim- being subjective symptoms, they can't be revealed by laboratory analysis until they've reached chronic degenerative proportions or metabolic, di- met- metabolic disease states. Palliative pharmaceutical agents over-the-counter or prescribed can't treat them because they do nothing to remove toxic plat- plaque to remove toxic plague residues known as biofilm in and around the cells, nor fix cellular insufficiencies that cause them. In fact, they add more toxins to and rob more nutrients from our body, thereby causing more dis-ease. Only natural, non-toxic treatment protocols can genuinely reverse any illness. Down the middle of a great street of the city on each side of the river stood the trees of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nation, Revelation twenty-two two. All medical Twilight Zone diseases are indigenous, meaning they originate internally rather than coming from the outside in. They are the body's built in intrinsic, intrinsic wisdom responding to negatively influences with a healing crisis. To the medical establishment, built in body instituted symptoms of fever, diarrhea, mucus secretions, coughing, nasal drippage, and excessive perspiring are unnecessary nuisances to attack or suppress when in fact they're intelligent purging mechanisms to expel toxic debris from the blood and decay and morbid waste from tissues that are overloaded are elimination and detoxification pathways of the skin, colon, kidneys, or lungs. They are purging of toxins to prevent more serious chronic disease from settling in. In their ignorance, incompetence, and negligence, medical doctors are drugging symptoms at a cellular level or surgically removing organs rather than addressing the toxicities and cellular insufficiencies that cause medical problems. Unless the treatment actually removes acid toxins from the body and increases oxygen, water, and nutrients, the cure at best will only be temporary. Otherwise, the disease is driven deeper into a chronic state. If they only knew once the toxic residue is excreted, the cells would be allowed to absorb oxygen and nutrients again, and that the body's organs and systems would self-heal and return to homeostasis, which is just balance and order. They would actually be able to be the healers they profess to be. But now that you know what's going on, how will this affect the way... You not only approach the disease that you might be experiencing, but will act to prevent it in the first place. So that is one of the chapters that will be part of the book, which is wonderful. And I know all too well, um, all too well, which everybody knows my story, the death of my first child, Casey, um you know everything i did back then before i was my eyes were open to what i've learned the wisdom i've gained you know from the last 20 some years um, is that you don't suppress the symptom you know i was told to give casey tylenol before she received her vaccines which now i know is ridiculous cuz it destroys the, the liver but also it mass the symptom. It brings down fever, which fever, of course, is our creator's way of burning up something we're exposed to, just like diarrhea and vomiting is purging if it comes through the nose and the mouth. So, you know, of course, I was misinformed back then as as a first-time mom, and I gave her Tylenol like her pediatrician told me. Um, Even at her death, I was told that I didn't even have to call 911 when something wasn't right with her because... I was told by one of our researchers that if I would have given her like intravenously 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C, I would have never had to call 911. Uh, and now I definitely know my mistakes and I've had to learn, like I said, the hardest way possible, but now my, hi- my eyes have been opened and I try to, you know, share uh, my story so it doesn't happen to anybody else. And that's what I've been doing for over 20 years now. So now let's go to the next article. And this one's titled The Rat Theory of Garbage. And this is a real good one because this is uh, Mr. Louis Pasteur, mm-hmm. which I just had to explain to a brother in our ministry. It's not the pasture that horses and cows eat out of. It is Louis Pasteur, French P-A-S-T-U-E-R, pasteurization of our uh, you know, raw milks, goat milk, Um, sheep milk cow milk they think they have to homogenize and pasteurize because they have to perfect you know they think they can perfect perfection but they actually weaken the the beneficial you know the beneficial value of the probiotics and everything it puts back into your body but anyway the rat theory of garbage i refer to louis pasteur's germ theory of disease as the rat theory of garbage show me a building full of rats and i'll show you a building full of garbage Show me a person who has cancer, bacterial, viral, fungal, and parasitic infections, and I'll show you a person who has accumulated waste matter in organs and tissues, low oxygen levels, weakened immunity, nutritional deficiencies, and an acid pH environment caused by a toxic diet, environmental, and lifestyle. And, of course, we all know, number one, vaccinations, poison in the bloodstream. In other words, if germs cause disease, then rats must cause garbage. Enlightened understanding demonstrates that disease-associated microorganisms do not produce the disease conditions themselves. Any more than mosquitoes cause a stagnant swamp or vultures cause dead rabbits. These are simply scavengers attracted to the habitat which supports them. When flies, maggots, and rats do not cause garbage, they do feed off of it. And just as flies and maggots and rats cannot survive without a food source, it's only when the body is acidic that it is vulnerable to germs and a healthy base balance in a body with an operating immune system, the germ can't gain a foothold. The concept of regulating the body's pH to stay well in a world full of sickness and disease is leading to a paradigm shift in nutritional science. This proven science with the field of microbiology dates back to the late 1800s. After a century of suppression by the pharmaceutical elite, it has recently become one of the hottest new trends in the health and nutritional industry. A renowned 19th century French scientist named Antoine Bichamp from 1816 to 1908 pioneered this health-based research. He was a microbiologist accredited as a Master of Pharmacology Pharmacy, Doctor of Science, Doctor of Medicine, Professor of Medical Chemistry and Pharmacy, Fellow and Professor of Physics and Toxology, Professor of Biological Chemistry, and Dean of the Faculty of Medicine. He remained a research scientist up until his death at 91 years old. Upon his death, it took eight pages of the National Journal of France just to list the titles of his scientifically published works in 1908. Antoine Bichamp showed scientifically that it isn't the bacteria or the viruses themselves that produce disease, they are the aftermath of diseased tissue. Other 20th century cellular terrain specialists such as Claude Bernard, Virginia Livingston Wheeler, Gunther Etterline Gaston Nasons and Arthur Kendall advanced his research further. Their cutting-edge discovery showed conclusive proof of the correlation between proper acid-alkaline pH balance of the body's cells, tissues, and fluids in an optimum state of health. Bichamp and his colleagues concluded that the cause of disease is not the germs themselves, but rather the inner condition of the patient's cellular terrain at the time of exposure determined whether germs and pathogens would incubate or remain dormant. And let me just add in here, this is something me and Dr. True have covered many times on our past radio shows, so I encourage anyone and everyone to go to our Podbean page off of our front page website. And, you know, share and listen to them and download them in, on the cellular terrain. It's not the germ that causes disease like Louis Pasteur says. It's the inner condition of you. It's the cellular terrain. How strong is your immune system when you're exposed to this so-called COVID or, or, or whatever seers they're coming up with or whatever other one, bird flu, whatever they come up with? If your immune system is strong, it cannot hold a candle. To the body's innate ability of fighting off, especially if you're you're not compromised with the vaccinations primarily, um, and and I've you know many radio shows I've uh, revealed the state of my unvaccinated children um, compared to my daughter who I lost who was you know fully vaccinated. I did my own clinical study because two years. Uh, two years, and she passed before she was four, but my son was 20 months younger than her with no vaccines. And for two years, I did my own clinical study because I saw a fully man-made poisoned immune system with Casey compared to a fully God-made unvaccinated immune system from our creator. And he would run a 10-15 minute fever, and she spent a week in the hospital. You know, it was just unbelievable the difference in their immune system with the exact same exposure to whatever they, you know, were exposed to. And back then, I wasn't even teaching organic foods. I was eating the Franken food of the world. You know, I was a misinformed person back then. It's, they didn't even have the, the, the site. You know, the 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 nutrients to keep their immune system strong. They just had uh, pure blood. They had you know pure uh unvaccinated uncompromised um blood you know uh, immune systems and it's amazing the difference in their immune system and you can hear this from many people chiropractors many people that choose not to vaccinate their children on the health of unvaccinated versus vaccinated so back to the article Um, one of Bichamp's big ideas was that this that little enzymes called microzymes existed in every cell and were involved in all bodily functions. The microzymas have their own innate intelligence and change the face of pathogens like a chameleon. Extreme heat, radiation, and symptom manipulation from pharmaceuticals like antibiotics would cause these entities to morph and fit their environment. In a state of vibrant health, the microzymas would perform Evolved aerobic fermentation harmoniously as seen when grapes ferment into wine or when beneficial gut flora like acidophis or bifidus proliferate through fermentation in the gut wall. On the other hand, in a diseased condition, characterized by low oxygen, malnutrition, acid pH, poor circulation, stress, and built-up toxins in and around the cells, the microzymas microzymas signal the cells, altering them to respirate anaerobically and bring the organism back to the soil, the dust of the earth. This is because the organism itself is debilitated to the point of being sick and dying. Ultimately, it's the micro the microzymas that are responsible for dead animal or a leaf from a a tree decomposing back to the ground transferring a cycle of life back to the dust of the earth for future plant growth. The scientific community has adopted Louis Pasteur's germ theory of disease as the whole truth, that germs and pathogens are the direct cause of most diseases and that the best we can do is avoid them. Meanwhile, they have disregarded the revelations of Beauchamp's micro. Microzamian principle that the acidic condition of the patient's cellular environment creates disease. This marks one of the most controversial turns of events in modern history. So, why would mainstream medicine? Or why would mainstream science continue their research in the wrong direction based on Pasteur's false germ theory of disease when it's been long proven that germs and bacteria are the secondary rather than the primary cause of disease? It's because around, it's, around it exists the colossal infrastructure of commercial interest that supports a trillion-dollar industry based solely upon this pseudo science. You will not get qualified as a medical professional if you don't accept the germ theory of disease, and you would likely lose your license to practice medicine if you reject it after you've graduated already. The thing is that until medical science comes to grips with that this reality, there will be chasing their tails as us around the medical merry-go-round for another hundred years. We will continue to spend trillions on expensive invasive treatments that not only suppress symptoms when, for a fraction of the cost, we could support people in restoring to their body by rehabilitating their cellular terrain. The entire medical establishment has built their house of cards on Pasteur's false doctrine. When we went to France, just to put in something else here, when Gary and I spoke in uh, London and then we took a little vacation to Italy and France and stuff, we couldn't believe how they worshipped this Louis Pasteur. I mean, everything, the buildings, the restaurants, Pasteur was on everything like he was some god in France. I couldn't believe it. And meanwhile, he proved, Antoine proved to him in a Petri dish Gary used to teach. I'm not sure if I'm going to read that in a second, but he proved to him in a in a Petri dish that it's the cellular terrain, and 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 Louis even admitted on his deathbed, Antoine's right. It's the it's the it's not the germ. It's the cellular terrain. But meanwhile, the dollar signs, sickness Incorporated is behind germs causing disease to this day, and this is where they you know came out with penicillin. They came out with vaccination shortly after that. So it's big business. The root of all evil. The love of money. That's their god. Unfortunately, okay. Continue in the article. Sorry. Dr. M. L. Leverson, M.D., Ph.D., M.A., American physician practicing during Pasteur and Bichamps' era, discovered some of Antoine Bichamps' writings in New York and realized that Pasteur had plagiarized some of his work. Upon this discovery, Leverson went to France and personally met with Bichamps, where he heard the story of plagiarism firsthand. After that meeting, he had done great to bring Bichamp's work to public attention. Here is what Leverson had to say about Pasteur, as it's quoted in the book, The Dream and Lie of Louis Pasteur. Quote, The entire fabric of the germ theory of disease rests upon assumptions which not only have not been proven, but which are incapable of proof, and many of them can be proved to be the reverse of the truth. The basic one of these unproven assumptions, the credit for which it presents Form is wholly due to Pasteur. Is the hypothesis that all the so called infections infections and contagion, blah, 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 infections and contagious disorders are caused by germs, each disease having its own specific germ, which germs have existed in air from the beginning of things, and that though the body is closed to these pathogen germs when in good health, when the vitality is lowered, the body becomes susceptible to their inroads. Unfortunately for Bichamp, as well as the rest of us, Louis Pasteur, from 1822 to 1895, had deep political pull and incredibly wealthy business associates with global connections and a theory that supported creating the multi-trillion dollar medical industry we have today. These cronies were not interested in health care, but management of sickness at the expense of at the expense of human lives, they were interested in establishing a new global enterprise to control medicine and disease like some kind of commodity, in hopes of profiting trillion of dollars from human suffering. It is a matter of public record. That John D. Rockefeller, the world's first billionaire, had a hand in forming the American Medical Association. This is the AMA in 1847. After buying heavily into then, led fledgling pharmaceutical industry. After its foundation, the AMA went right ahead using its government-granted monopoly over the healthcare system to shut down medical schools and shape the curriculum of those remaining ones to make sure that all of them reflected Pasteur's germ theory, which is favorable to the pharmaceutical industry who want to prescribe a pill for every ill. Instead of being trained to work with nature to enhance the body's natural healing process, doctors would be trained to go against nature with the kill mode mindset, kill the bacteria, kill the virus, kill the fungus, kill the tumor, resulting in the slow killing of the patient. The cover-up of Antoine Bichamp's discoveries has meant untold misery, The cover-up of Antoine Bichamp's discovery has meant untold misery and suffering for the human race by allowing surgical, pharmaceutical, chemotherapy, radiation, vaccine research development to dominate mainstream medicine. Had Bichamp's breakthrough discoveries been incorporated into the current medical curriculum, we would already be experiencing the virtual elimination of disease and the end of the pharmaceutical industry. Like dogs chasing their own tails, scientists go cross-eyed looking at elephants under a microscope to discover new disease-causing germs, despite the fact that germs and microorganisms are only the secondary rather than the primary cause of disease. But they do not cause disease all by their microscopic cells. They only take advantage of us when our bodies are in a weakened, compromised state burdened by toxics, toxicities. Sickness is not caused by bacteria. Bacteria comes with sickness. What makes past year's germ theory so believable is that it seems to be common sense. The killing of bacterial infections such as staphylococcal, streptococcal, bacilli pneumonia seemed to be the cure all or panacea in the 1950s. But it all did. All it did was set up shop for stronger, enemy-resistant strains to battle in the future. It's ironic and indeed. Pathetic that human beings, the highest form of intelligence on this planet, have managed to build the vast trillion-dollar pharmaceutical industry on the central purpose of poisoning and attacking the lowest forms of life on the planet. germs. Well, ain't that the truth? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. That's definitely. That's a definite, definite. Sickness Incorporated. That's what it's all about to them, unfortunately. Alright, so another one here. we got some more time, I think. Have I read the... Let's go to the Educate Before You Vaccinate one. That's my neck of the woods. It's titled Educate Before You Vaccinate. And this is what I'm very blessed to have now um, that I'm working on with my book, if I ever get it written, which is the wisdom father's gifted me with Gary's wisdom from when we met to he for his passing he never this is the the stuff he kept right over his head in our wellness on wheels because it was so che- he was so cherished it was his cherished you know his jewels because that's what he's going to write his book anyway it it covers a lot of the things Gary learned since his before teachings on the dangers of vaccinations, because Father brought him and I together to really, you know, make each other understand. He taught me, most importantly, how to fix the vaccine injury. But Father used me to make him really understand the damage of the blood poisoning how the number one cellular toxicity to the, to the blood, of course, is the vaccinations. Uh, so all those notes I'm typing up now, and that's going to be included in my book. And um, I'm, I've am i got at least another foot of handwritten notes that he would literally wake up with revelations from our creator and say, babe, get me pad and paper. And he'd, he'd write. He'd just start writing. I used to call it his coloring books because he would just always have a book in his hand. And anyway, so all this wisdom I'm typing up is stuff that he's learned. You know, we, we, we complemented each other, you know, for a, 15 years we were together, you know, traveling the world and waking people up to. The dangers of vaccinations, of course, I did in honor of my speaking the truth of my baby girl, speaking the truth with love, and then he would come behind me um, with the meal message, I called it. Mine was the appetizer, but his was the meal message, you know, and the first thing he'd start off with was this whole thing about Bichomp and Louis Pasteur. And that that would take away, you know, the carpet from right from underneath them, because it's just, you know, he used the analogy. And I'm sure Antony's probably going to use it in one of his articles, but he would use my favorite analogy he would use in his presentations and he'd act it all out. He was so funny. He would he would literally say it's like cockroaches and ants on the floor and dirty dishes in your sink. You know, medical doctors are taught by the drug companies to kill the cockroaches and ants on the floor. And, you know, and and we teach people to wash their dishes and the cockroaches and ants go away. (laughs) So to me, that's the best analogy there is, because you you don't want to kill the cockroaches and ants. You want to clean up your kitchen, clean up your house, and the cockroaches and ants will go next door. So, um, So anyway, so I'm sure we'll get to that in one of the articles, like I said. All right, so this one's titled, Educate Before You Vaccinate. If you swallow something poisonous like drainu you'll vomit immediately. You might be sick for a few days, but you probably won't die. If you take the same amount and inject it into your bloodstream, you're finished. What's the big difference? The FDA has guidelines on the quantity of substances are considered generally safe to enter the body, but these stats are based upon ingestion through typical channels of entry, which are the mouth, nose, and even the skin. Because vaccinations are injected directly into the bloodstream, the body cannot easily remove poisonous contents, including aluminum, mercury, polysorbate 80, and formaldehyde through our normal channels of channels of evacuation, which are the mouth, nose, skin, urine, and back passage. Unlike the gut, the blood has no way of regurgitating or vomiting. Unlike the lungs, it cannot sneeze. The method of exposure matters. The immune system system is built on the pathway of mucosal mucosal lining, and 70% of your immune system is in the gut. It's not in the bone marrow or the thymus or the lymph. It's called gut-associated lymphoid tissue, GALT. When you inject as opposed to taking something into the mouth by swallowing it, it doesn't go through the usual pathways that the body uses to recognize it as foreign and sound the alarm in a cascading sequence. You skip right past the blue, yellow, and orange to red alert. Joy Garner wrote, our digestive system is an intelligent organ full of intelligent cells that are constantly making decisions about what to allow into our bloodstream and what to send on down as waste. The same thing is happening with our lungs and even our skin. Not all toxins can be prevented from gaining access, but these protective systems are there for a reason. It can be disastrous to sneak past our body's own discerning mechanisms into the the blood by injection. That's why the FDA's generally safe levels of toxins should never be applied to injectable products, and yet it's based on these levels that are judged as safe. The mainstream medical scientists believe they have proven that vaccines work because after administering a vaccine, the the body produces antibodies. When you go to red alert, you do build antibodies. That much is true. The immune system responds to the injection. The problem is antibody titer increase has nothing to do with immunity. It just means you've been exposed to an antigen and your body has reacted. You have to look at the natural killer se- the natural killer counts, the T cells, the B cells, the memory cells, the enhancer cells. There are 27 instruments in the immune system. So while the medical scientists are saying, hey, look, we got an antibody titer increase when this vaccination was administered, that has nothing to do with the immune system strengthening. Dr. Suzanne Humphrey says no vaccines increase the health of a human because there's nothing in a vaccine that our bodies actually require. We don't require aluminum, mercury, polysorbate 80, formaldehyde, or any of the ingredients commonly found in vaccinations. So there's no nutritive effect of the vaccine. The CDC could prove once and for all once once and for all the overall benefit of vaccinations by conducting a large scale study comparing the long term health outcomes of fully vaccinated children and those of unvaccinated children unfortunately they steadfastly refused to do one however the study of exactly this kind appeared in 2017 conducted by the epidemiologist Dr Anthony Marson along with Brian D. Ray, PhD; Azad Buahan, PhD, and Benu Jacob, MD. Dr. Mawson and, and company compared health outcomes in homeschool children, many of whom have not been vaccinated at all, with children who had. This made a valid comparison between health outcomes in vaccinated and unvaccinated populations. As might have been as might have been expected, the vaccinated population were less likely to have been diagnosed with chickenpox and pertussis, but controversially. They were more likely to have been diagnosed with pneumonia, otitis, media, allergies, and neurodevelopmental disorders. Of each, these reached a high level of statistical significance. Dr. Melson also found that children who were born prematurely before 37 weeks were at far greater risk of contracting these diseases, the ones who got the vaccine at 12 to 18 months on the CDC's recommended schedule were at much higher risk of autism than those who got the MMR vaccine after 36 months. This shows that the younger a child is when they get vaccinated, the more likely they are to be harmed by the vaccines. According to the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics, unvaccinated children should be cesspools of festering infection that act as a source of contamination and contagion for the rest of the community. But the studies showed that the unvaccinated children turned out to be remarkably, health, remarkably healthier as well as very clever. What is more, when they are exposed to infections, they recover very quickly. One of the interesting observations is that in families who have vaccinated one child and not the next, the vaccinated child demonstrates illness, while the subsequent child is remarkably healthy, even though there is huge overlap genetically and environmentally in the way these children are raised. In other cases, the parents of children who were injured by vaccines did not put the negative effects down did not put the negative effects down to the shots and took them for a booster. Perhaps their doctors convinced them it was just a coincidence. Tragically, when they do get their children to do the second shot, we see catastrophic regression following the second dose. This re phenomenon is taken in court to be the most powerful evidence of causation. By analogy, if you're prescribed a drug that gives you a rash, this could be a coincidence, maybe. However, if upon being given the same drug a second time, given years later, you develop exactly the same rash, this should be taken as causation until proven otherwise. That is what we see with children who have been injured by vaccines. Dr. Mawson's paper on this plot study went through at least four rounds of rigorous peer-reviewed and was accepted for publication. It was later declined or withdrawn from the journal. People on the Internet will jump to the conclusion that because the paper was withdrawn that therefore proves that the findings are wrong but it can still be found online scientists can check the methods but they can't disprove them the real question is who funds the CDC who advertises in the journals that are supposed to publish these studies exactly the pharmaceutical companies who profit from the sales of vaccines. Editors of the most respected medical journals have themselves warned that they cannot protect readers from pro industry bias. In fact, the editors of the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet both resigned in disgust, claiming that at least 70% of the articles in their journal were trash and biased towards the corporate healthcare industry bodies that funded the research. Richard Smith, who was the editor of the British Medical Journal for 25 years, said "Medical major medical journals are just an extension of the marketing departments of major drug companies. Richard Horton of The Lancet wrote, journals have developed into information laundering operations for the pharmaceutical industry. Journals want to avoid alienating their advertisers. They often reject studies that demonstrate existing treatments are less, are less safe than originally realized if the manufacturers of those drugs advertise in their pages. If the CDC was objective and concerned only with everyone's health, then they would be desperate to run a larger scale version of this study. If the study proves that vaccinated populations are healthier than unvaccinated ones, then they could finally put to bed our damaging anti-vax conspiracy theories. However, if they confirm Maussan's findings, they will save hundreds of millions of people from adverse health outcomes. They are not likely to do the study because they have too much to lose. They will not only kill the money they receive from the manufacturers of the vaccines, they will have to destroy their own reputation by saying, sorry, folks, we've been telling you to poison your kids for decades. We knew there was evidence of harm, but we ignored it because we were riding the gravy train. That's why they will smear anyone who tries to do the study and use their considerable weight to discredit them. They get attacked hard. They will end up like Wakefield. If you look up Dr. Wakefield online, you'll find out that he's a discredited, but discredited by whom? The same people who told you that hormone replacement therapy was safe and effective or continue to push chemo, even though it was shown to be 97% ineffective in a study published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology. The people who have failed to cure cancer, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, or any other major illness despite spreading trillions of dollars and still claim theirs is only medicine, That is scientific. Who has been discredited? The reason why they say he's discredited overall, Wikipedia, is so that skeptics can run a quick Google search and then dismiss him out of hand without ever listening to a single thing he's saying. Anyone who takes an hour or two to hear him being interviewed will hear that he has evidence to back up all of his claims. But they know that a lot of people would just search someone's name, and if Wikipedia says they're discredited, that's enough for them. The dean at Dr. Andrew Wakefield's Medical School told him that if he continued this vaccine safety science, it would be bad for his career, whatever the merits of the science. Other doctors he worked with told him him, that they could not be seen as pediatricians to question the safety of the MMR jab. None of this has anything to do with science or medical viewpoint. It's purely politics, and it's costing lives. If vaccines are safe and effective, why is it that drug companies are protected from liability by the U.S. government, meaning that if their products injure a patient? or injured a child, their parents can't even sue the manufacturer. This arrangement came to pass in the 1980s because the whooping cough component of the DPT vaccine, that's the diphtheria, pertussis and tetanus vaccine, it was causing lots of injuries and a lot of death in children, far far more than was acceptable, and the manufacturers were getting sued left and right. They went to the government and said, you're the ones who mandate the vaccine, yet we're the ones picking up the tab for injury litigation. Either you protect us from liability or we will stop making the pertussis vaccine. Children's will die and it'll be your fault. In 1986, Ronald Reagan signed into law the the National Vaccine Institute. Uh, National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which removed liability from vaccine manufacturers. Having to pay compensation in the case of injury is an essential deterrent against companies cutting corners during safety procedures. No drug is completely safe, but weighing up the price of compensation for injuries against overall profits is one of the ways that society is supposed to determine whether a product does more harm than good. If very few people are injured, it will remain profitable despite the occasional payout, but if too many people get sick, it will be taken off the market. The government has created an industry with perfect business model, a mandated market with no liability. And, they, and they, all they can do is make a massive profit. Then they use the profit to influence the CDC and the FDA. They take adverts out on television channels for their drugs, and then those stations don't want to report on the proven negative effects of drugs and vaccinations because they know they'll lose their advertising revenue. Of course, now there are more lobbyists on Capitol Hill for pharmaceutical industry than there are for politicians. Than there are politicians. This creates the incentive to introduce as many vaccines as possible and make that case that they are necessary. The government buys the shots with tax dollars, given a nice big handout from public purse to big pharma. And if the shots cause damage, the manufacturers do not have to compensate victims. This explains why vaccines are administered for tuberculosis. And tetanus drugs that can always be contracted again and to which no one is ever immune, as well as to influenza and hepatitis B, which become strongly resistant to antibodies of the vaccines, making these two shots completely useless. Everyone is vaccinated for German measles, even though 90 percent of the women are naturally protected from them and the risk for contracting the sickness is limited to the first three months of pregnancy. Diphtheria, which was only contracted by 7% of the population during the biggest epidemics, is also part of the vaccine schedule for everyone because each set of shots means another handout to big pharma. This is not based on need, it's based on greed. One thing that they never safety test with vaccines is the accumulated safety of the entire schedule. They might prove that one vaccine is safe on its own, but this is not proof that the vaccine is safe along with the other 71 shots. If vaccines are completely harmless, then why are they so miserably with them, administering only 72 shots? Why not administer 720 shots? Why not 7,200 shots? If you understand that the body is not designed to receive substances that is not made of, but has its own intelligent design to deal with foreign antigens, and it makes sense the body can bear so much, like the straw that broke the camel's back. The heavy metals in the vaccinations are now being passed from one generation onto the next in utero. There are more vaccine injuries than ever before. We have been vaccinating for more generations than ever before. Your parents probably only received three vaccinations as children. If we were to believe believe the vaccine industry and the makers of public policy, then the entire generation should have been wiped out. Instead, many of them are healthier than our children are likely to be at this rate. Life expectancy is now fallen instead of rising. Statistically, more people than ever will develop a chronic illness. Now is the time to learn about the risk of vaccines and spread the message so people can understand the underlying reasons why they are harmful and protect their precious children. And then that leads me to our website. It kind of goes into our website Um, he has at the end of it, Uh, and we're out of time. So this is perfect timing. Um, Go to our website. On the front page, I have my Educate Before You Vaccinate presentation um, that covers all the lies I had to learn the hardest way possible and uh, give you all the information to make an educated choice. And, of course, most importantly, this uh, deadly uh, mRNA, uh, not even vaccine that they're injected into people today. um, It goes way beyond a vaccine. So please uh, visit our website. And uh, thank you for listening. We are VAC Information Coalition, and our shows can be accessed later uh, on whatinthecell.podbean.com. Or you can go to the front page of our vacinfo.org website. That's V as in Victor, A-C-I-N as in Nancy, F as in Frank-O, VacInfo.org. And we have an archive button right underneath the little boy flexing his muscles. You can click on it; that'll open up our Podbean page that Progressive Radio Network has put together for us with uh, almost five years coming up in May, uh, worth of shows. You can go page; you know, you can go back to the very one first one back in two thousand eighteen. Um, Anyway, we're on every Monday at two PM Eastern. Our contact number is nine five four three four seven nine six seven one. We thank Progressive Radio Network for allowing us to give you this uncompromised truth and ya bless.